Good to see you on tonight and good to be with you. Uh, and if you allow me to pause for a second and just to be able to see your beautiful faces, uh, because we missed each other last year, uh, wasn't able to come and be with you, but it is so good to be in your presence on this afternoon. And thank you for the invite of being able to come and share with you the word of God on tonight. On tonight, if you happen to have your Bibles with you, and I believe you do because you're in Bible study, amen. We're going to be headed to the book of Galatians, if you will. Galatians chapter 5. When you reach Galatians chapter 5, Paul is our writer here. Uh, before we begin with the fruit of the Spirit, talking about peace, uh, we're going to start in verse number 19. Uh, Paul will give you the negative, and then Paul will give you the positive. He'll give you the negative, and that's the works of the flesh. Then he'll give you the positive, and that's the fruit of the Spirit. Notice how Paul's, Paul will do this in verse number 19. The Bible says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, illuminations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Paul says, just in case I missed one, such like. If you're engaged in something that is like that, Paul includes that. Then Paul says, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That is the bad news. That's the negative. Then he inserts the word but in verse number 22. There is a contrast between what Paul has just stated and what he is about to say. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit. That's the good news. The fruit, we're talking about one, of the Spirit. Then Paul says, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. The fruit that we're going to talk about tonight is peace. We're dealing with peace. Notice that you have, before we reach peace, love, joy, and now we have peace. When you get an opportunity to think about that word peace, peace is defined as a state of tranquility, quietness, or rest. It is silence, a hush, or muteness. Sometimes you just want some peace and quiet, amen. And then these beautiful things called kids come into the room. Amen. Sometimes you just want a little bit of peace. And tonight we're going to be talking about peace and how you and I can obtain or have this peace. Notice something that Paul will do. All the books that Paul has written, in the first chapter of every book, from verse 1 all the way down to verse number 7, somewhere along the way, Paul will say, the grace and peace of God our Father. He will always insert the word peace. Doesn't matter which book you read from the Apostle Paul, the word peace will always be there. Notice what Paul is saying as he talks about peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. There is no law that states you have just a little too much peace. You're a little too calm. This is a little too quiet. There is no law against you having a lot of peace. And thank God for that. It's not as if there's a law written saying, now just wait a minute, you are over your peace limit. 
this is it for you this month. No, there is no law against that. That is good news. As much peace as you want, go get it. There's no law against that. That's good news. The fruit of the spirit, as we're looking at this, love, joy, and peace, and there is no law against that. Get as much as you possibly can as we're talking about this peace. As we begin to break down peace and look at it step by step, let's talk about inner peace. Inner peace. When you think about inner peace, it's defined as, some call it peace of mind. It's also defined as, it refers to a state of being mentally or spiritually at peace, in spite of what's going on around you. To be mentally or spiritually at peace, in spite of what's going on around you. Even though your world has been turned upside down, you still can have inner peace. Every child of God has inner peace. You may not realize it. Every child of God has inner peace. You just may not realize it. You just have to drift back into the word of God and it will remind you what you do have. This inner peace, and no, and no, and no matter what's going on around you, you still can be at peace and still enjoy yourself. Let me give you an example. In John chapter 16, John chapter 16, we're looking at Jesus. When you reach John the 16th chapter, we'll start at verse number 32. Verse number 33 is the verse that we're looking for. John chapter 16, verse 32. Jesus says this, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and he shall leave me alone, yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Jesus says that hour is coming when all of you will be scattered and you'll leave me alone, but I'm really not alone. Why? Because the Father's with him. He's never alone because the Father's with him. You know, it's the same way with you and I. We're never alone because Christ and the Father are what? With us. That's that inner peace that we have. Notice verse 33, these things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have what? Peace. Jesus says in me you'll have peace. Then he goes on to say, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the what? The world. In Jesus, what's in Jesus? Peace. Are you and I in Christ? Yes, we are. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 27, for as many as you have been baptized into Christ, you have peace. Put on Christ. If you've been baptized, you are actually in Christ. And what's in Christ? Peace. Don't you let the world and everything that's going on around you dictate to you that you do not have peace. You have peace in spite of what's going on around you. You can still have that inner peace, that calmness that you need to go day by day. Notice that Jesus says, in me is peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation. That's a fact. In the world, you and I are going to have what? Tribulation. Tribulation is defined as pressure, anguish, or burdened. It's a fact. You are going to have tribulation. We cannot escape that. But it's also a fact that in Jesus, there's what? Peace. It doesn't matter what's going on out here. You can still have that inner peace. You can still function. You can still have Bible studies. You can still greet people in a nice manner. You can still enjoy your family. No matter what's going on around you, you need to tap into that inner peace. Hard times are going to come. 
Did not we experience that last year and we're still experiencing that? Could you imagine how you felt that first month when COVID hit? Could you imagine that anxiety that you were dealing with? Could you imagine your first time going to the gas station? You remember that day when you had to get out of the car and you had to grab that pump with your hand? Could you imagine that? And then all of a sudden that inner peace begins to come back to you and you begin to say, you know what, I'm a child of God. You know what, I know God is going to see me through this. Right now the world has been turned upside down and we're very cautious. We were trying to make sure that we do the right thing. But at the same time, you still had that calmness. You knew beyond shadow of a doubt that the almighty God was going to do something. You knew that God somehow was going to pull us out of this and that inner peace, it calmed you down in spite of what was going on. Another example, as we look at this inner peace, is the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Guess who's our writer again? Uh, it's still Paul. And in Philippians chapter 4, notice what Paul will say here. We're starting at verse number 6. Paul says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God. Uh, be careful for nothing or be anxious for nothing. He talks about in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then verse 7, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, what is it capable of doing? It passes all understanding. If you get a chance to look up the word understanding, it means intellect. You mean the peace of God will surpass all understanding. Yes, when you look at your life and you look at the tribulations that you and I are going through, the peace of God, you cannot understand how is it that you can still have peace. We know that it's in Christ Jesus, but how is it that you can still have peace? When your friends know that you lost your job, but yet you're still happy, your friends know that you're struggling, but yet you're still happy and you're still sharing the word of God. They cannot understand that because the peace of God is past understanding. You can't understand it, but we can show enjoy it. Amen. We may not understand how this happens, but we can under, understand or we can enjoy the idea that we have peace. He says the peace of God passeth what? Not some understanding, but what? All understanding. And then Paul says, he shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You mean he's going to keep my heart and my mind? Yes, through Christ Jesus. It won't worry you to death. Why? Because you have that inner peace. You have that calmness about you. That even though everything else has been turned upside down, you still are on an even plane. You still are doing what thus saith the Lord because you have that inner peace. And you know what? Nobody can ever take that from you. No one can take that from you. You hold on to it, and you keep that inner peace. Paul says the peace of God, it will do something. It will pass all understanding. Something else we need to do when we're talking about this inner peace. Every now and then, you may let the world get the best of you, the pressures of life, the stress of life, you may let that get the best of you sometimes that you just forget that you have that inner peace. And so that word recall 
Recall is what you and I have to activate. You and I have to recall the goodness of God. You and I have to recall the things that God has done for you previously. And then all of a sudden, you're back in tune with that inner peace. You and I need to be able to recall moments of anxiety and how God brought you through it. Remember those moments of anxiety. Remember you're at your wit's end, and yet all of a sudden, God brought you through it. And then you begin to calm yourself down again. You and I need to recall stressful situations and how God melted that into peace. Remember those stressful situations. It's over with now. It's a thing of the past. And how did you get through that? It was the almighty God. Again, you tap into that inner peace again. You begin to calm yourself down. And then also we need to recall what God did previously in order to have confidence in your current crisis. Whatever your crisis is right now, whatever it is that's troubling you and your family, you need to remember what God has already done for you. You need to remember those things. And once you do that, that inner peace comes in again, and you begin to center yourself, and you begin to calm yourself down. Inner peace. We're talking about the inner man, where that inner peace resides. And you and I, we need to hold on to that. There's going to be a lot of things that will go on, but that inner peace, maintain that. Now, having inner peace will allow you and I to do the second thing, and that is extending peace. Extending peace. We always want people to treat us in a peaceful way, but are we willing to treat people that way? We always want to be on the receiving end of peace, but oftentimes we need to be on the end of extending peace. If you've mastered the art of knowing that you have the inner peace, then now it's time for you and I to push that out and extend peace to other people. We're talking about extending this peace. You're looking for the book of Hebrews, if you will. Hebrews chapter 12. When you reach Hebrews, the 12th chapter, we're looking for verse number 14. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 14. Notice what the writer says here. He'll talk about peace and extending it, and then he'll give us an incentive in terms of why we should extend peace. You're in Hebrews chapter 12. Notice verse number 14. The writer says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace with all men. The word follow means to pursue, to pursue. You're going after peace. You're pursuing peace. It's like you're, being, you're persecuting peace. Yet peace. You're not letting up. You're after it. Can I take you back to those days of high school? Remember that girl that you were pursuing? Remember that guy that you were pursuing? Remember that person that you were following after? Can I take you back to my favorite show, Family Matters? You remember the guy, Steve Urkel? You remember the, Lord, the lovely Laura Winslow? You remember how this guy did not stand a chance with this girl? But he never gave up. He never gave up. He kept pursuing her. He kept following her. And finally, he won her over. You and I have to follow peace. We have to pursue peace. Don't let up on it. You continue to follow it. You go after it. And then he says, follow peace with all what? Men. You mean in the body and out the body? Yes. Follow peace with all men. You mean we need to be peaceful to everyone? Yes. 
follow peace with all men and holiness. Notice the incentive now. Without which no man shall see who? The Lord. Without which no man shall see the Lord. You mean this has something to do with me being able to see God in a peaceful standing. Oh, we all are going to see God at the judgment. We all are going to see Jesus. Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 7 tells us that every eye shall behold him. We all shall see Jesus, but will we see him peacefully? That's the question. Will we see him and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or when we see him, will he say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. We're going to follow peace with all men, without which no man shall see the Lord. I need to do this. Why? Because I want to see the Lord. And I want to see the Lord with a smile on his face. Amen. The first time that you lay eyes on Jesus, don't you want him to be smiling? Well, what you do now on planet Earth will push that smile out. The way you live your life now will dictate how he welcomes us to that beautiful place called heaven. And so you and I need to follow, we need to pursue, we need to hunt down peace. And once we have it, we're going to share with everybody. We've got the inner peace. We're members of the Lord's church. Now let's take that and extend it. Let's push it out. And let's extend peace to everyone that we meet. No matter how rough it gets in life, we just got to extend this peace. I want to give you an example of a story in the Bible that will talk about everything that you and I have covered thus far. It's taking us all the way back to the book of Exodus, if you will. We're going to Exodus chapter 14. There's a man that's waiting for us there. His name is Moses. There's a group of people that are waiting for us, and they're the children of Israel. There's a bad man there. His name is Pharaoh, and he has his mighty army. We're landing in Exodus chapter 14, and we're going to look at some things pertaining to peace. And what you and I have already covered, we're going to see if we can see those things there or if we can see how people did it the wrong way. To begin, we're going to start with verse number 10. I'll read down to verse 14, and then we'll come back and pick those scriptures apart. Exodus 14, beginning at verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were so afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto them, Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he shall show to you today. For the Egyptians, which you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. We're in Exodus chapter 14. What has happened thus far? Moses has successfully, by the power of God, he's allowed the children of Israel to escape Egyptian bondage. They are in front of the Red Sea. Pharaoh is behind them. They're feeling the pressures crushing in upon them at this time. The man who held you in slavery is right behind you. Before you is the Red Sea. You are trapped in your mind. You're trapped. When they see this, Let's see what they will do. 
Let's see if they'll maintain peace. Let's see, if how they, let's see how they handle this stressful situation. The Bible says in verse 10, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were so afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Now that's good news. The fact that they were afraid, and that struck fear, that it drove them to cry out to who? The Lord. That's good news. That your first response is to go to who? God. They cried out to the Lord, but notice how they cried out to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord by way of his manservant named Moses. Verse number 11 says, And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away? Now all of a sudden they're going to begin to complain. Notice how many times they will use the word us. It's as if they have left God out of the picture. Notice how many times they'll use the word us from verse 11 to verse 12. And they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. God is nowhere in that picture. They're concerned with themselves. The stresses of life sometimes will crush you that you'll forget that you're even saved. You'll forget that you have a relationship with God. You'll forget to cry out and you'll begin to complain about your current situation. And all they're talking about is us. You did this to us. You brought us out here. Do you see their complaint? But are they doing something that we talked about earlier? Remember, we talked about being able to recall. But when we talked about being able to recall, we talked about that in a positive way. Amen. They're recalling, but they're recalling in a negative way. The only thing that they can recall is what happened in Egypt. Notice what they say. In verse number 11, they said, As you brought us out here in the wilderness, wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not the word that we did tell you when we were in Egypt that you should leave us alone? It had been better for us just to stay in Egypt and to serve the Egyptians. I know it wouldn't have been better for them to stay in Egypt and to serve the Egyptians, but that's all they're recalling. They're not recalling things that God has done for them. Think for a second. Israel has the opportunity to recall previous things that God has done. Name one of them. Name something that God previously did for this group of people that should strengthen them. What comes to mind? What comes to mind? What about the 10 plagues? They had a chance to witness the 10 plagues. They had a chance to see God turn water into what? Blood. They saw that. They saw the power of God. They saw the flies. They saw the frogs. They saw the lice. All of those things, they had a chance to experience that. Did you not know that in the land of Egypt, they suffered there, Pharaoh. In the land of Goshen, God allowed his people to be at rest. They saw the hand of God. They saw the power of God. But when you're going through some stressful situations in life, you forget about the positive and you focus only on the negative. And that's what they're doing. If they would recall the positive things, there is a list of things that God did for them. 
but they're only recalling the negative things. You and I have got to recall those positive things, how God was there for you. And when you do that, it gives you that peace again. It allows you to center yourself, and it allows you to hold on to that inner peace. The Bible tells us that after they get through speaking, the last thing that they say in this text, it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in this wilderness. And verse number 13, Moses has had enough. And Moses says, Moses said unto them, to the people, fear ye not, stand still. First thing out of Moses' mouth, fear not. Second thing, stand still. When you're talking about peace, it's calmness, quietness, stillness. Moses says, fear not, don't be afraid. Second thing, stand still. Then Moses says to them, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. Moses says, I need you to stand still, and I need you to see the salvation of the Lord. And by the way, he will show it to you today. And then Moses says, these Egyptians that you see here today, you will see them again no more forever. Moses has had enough of these people. Amen. Could you imagine being with over a million people and all of them are complaining? It's all right when you have two church members complaining. You can stomach that. But the whole congregation? That's a whole nother ball game. Moses says, stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. And these Egyptians that you see today, you will see them again no more forever. This thing will end today. That's good news. And then after Moses says that, in verse number 14, Moses says, the Lord shall fight for you and you shall what? Hold your peace. Now let's pretend as if we don't know the term, hold your peace. Let's pretend as if we don't have a clue what that means. But so far in this context, what do you think it means? What are they doing in this context? They're complaining. Over and over again, they're talking about the negative things. And so Moses says, the Lord shall fight for you, and by the way, you will hold your peace. I don't need you to say anything else. I just need you to be still. I need you to be quiet, because the Lord is going to fight for you. When we hear that the Lord will fight for you, that's good news. Because that means that you and I can sort of step back and all we got to do is hold our peace. There are some times that you just got to do this. Because you know you. Oh, you don't? Your spouse knows you. Yeah. <laughs> your kids know you. You know the real you. And sometimes you just have to walk away from people because you might just say the wrong thing. You may not hold your what? Peace. You may be of the mindset that I just had to say something. And you know what you did. And now you know what else you got to say? I'm sorry for what I said to you. I'm sorry for how I said it to you. If you were so gung-ho over the idea that you had to say something, then you better go to that person and tell them something else if you said it the wrong way. If you felt that you had to say it here, then you got to say that you're sorry over here. Moses says you're going to hold your peace 
If you get a chance to look up the word hold, the word hold means to scratch, to engrave, or to plow. To scratch, to engrave, or to plow. What does that have to do with holding your peace? Well, if someone is trying to engrave something, they're putting forth an effort. They're putting pressure on that particular thing. And they're making a mark and they're leaving an imprint. And if someone is plowing in a field, it's evident that they're plowing. The result of that is that you're going to see an even row all the way down. Was there effort made? Yes. Did they have to hold on? Yes. Was it hard work? Yes. But they held on. Moses says, hold your peace. You do whatever you got to do to hold yourself back and don't say or act like you really want to act. You hold your peace. Even if it means that you've got to make a mark in holding your peace, you do it. Remember those days when you were little and you were at the swimming pool and you didn't want to get in the pool that day, but you always had that one friend who felt that it was his job to throw you in the pool. And that day that you didn't want to get in, your friend grabbed you and what did you do? You tried to hold on. You did everything you possibly could to prevent yourself from going in. And then you went with old faithful, that's called a chair. You grabbed that pool chair and held on to it for dear life. Because if you're going in, the chair is going with you. And you're trying to hold on for dear life. Did you make an effort? Yes. Was it hard work? Yes. But your goal was, I'm not going in this pool. And you held on. My friends, you've got to hold your peace. You can't say what you want to say all the time because it gets you in trouble. You're no longer at that job. Because you probably didn't what? I'll say it for you. Hold your peace. <laughs> there are things that have gotten us in a lot of trouble. Because we probably didn't what? Hold our peace. If you can hold your peace, if you can just hold back, you don't always have to say everything that's on your mind. And someone may say, no, no, that's me. I always got to say what's on my mind. No, I'm sure that there are some things that you thought about your spouse and you didn't say it. You know how I know it? They're sitting beside you right now. You didn't say it. Teenagers, there are some things that you thought about your parents. You didn't say it. You know how I know it? You're still alive. You're still here. You held your peace. You thought about saying it, but what did you do? You held your peace. Moses says, God will fight for you. And by the way, you will hold your peace. It's enough of this. You're going to be still. You're going to be quiet. And you're going to hold your peace. That's what you're going to do. When we're talking about peace, we got to put forth an effort. We got to hang in there. You remember what we went through last year with COVID? As a leader in the Lord's church, that was a hard thing. And you're making decisions for the congregation because your ultimate goal is to try to save lives. And that was a hard thing. And there were some people who were against the decisions that you made. But the ultimate goal was you were trying to do what? Save lives. What's Moses' ultimate goal here? He's trying to save their lives. But all they can do is complain and see the negative of that. Your leadership probably implemented things in place. Maybe you didn't agree with it, but at the end of the day, they were trying to do what? 
save lives. Same thing at our congregation. That was the main goal. Some people didn't like it. Some people complained. Well, maybe all they had to do was hold their peace. That's not a leader who's been through that before. This was uncharted territory. You're just trying to do things, just to be able to have some type of service. And as you're doing that, you may have members who just could not hold their peace. Could you imagine being one of the leaders of the Lord's church and y'all had to collectively make that decision? Could you imagine that? Before you say anything in terms of how things went, you need to consider that. That's a lot of pressure. And I'm speaking in terms of being a leader. That was a lot of pressure to try to make decisions that would help the congregation and knowing you would hear things in the background. That was a lot of pressure. But the ultimate goal was to try to save lives. And it would help if people would just hold their what? Peace. Hold their peace. You better believe you're going to be put in stressful situations. And at some point, you've got to hold your peace. At some point, you've got to hold back. Remember, now your goal is to try to conduct yourself in a good manner because the person who's watching you, at some point, you've got to teach them the word of God. And you know what they will remember? The way you acted. You know what they will remember? The things you said. Remember, people are watching you. We are written epistles read of all. And you and I have to try to master the art of holding our peace. You better believe sometime this week, I don't know when it's going to come, but something's going to happen. And you're going to be challenged with the idea of trying to hold your peace. You better believe stressful situations are going to come up. I don't know when it's going to happen, but you have to force yourself to recall what God has done for you in the past. And that's going to help you to center yourself so that you can maintain that peace. Last scripture for today, Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 7. The writer says this, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. When a man's ways does what? Please the Lord. When our ways please the Lord, what will God do? He will make even our enemies to be at peace with us. Do you have some enemies? Immediately you thought about that coworker, didn't you? Immediately you thought about one of your relatives, didn't you? Do we have some enemies? You probably do. But when our ways pleases God, God will make even your enemies to be at peace with you. We serve a good God. We serve a mighty God that he loves us so much that he's willing to take that out of the way. And what do we need to do? Let our ways be pleasing to God. You and I continue to master the art of trying to hold our peace and always trying to do that, which is right. It's going to be tough at times. I'll admit that. It's going to try you. It's going to push you. And at the end of the day, it will show you what you are made of. But I believe that we have the power and the courage to hold our peace because Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 still exists. I can do all things through Christ, which what? Strengtheneth me. All things implies you and I, we can hold our peace. We can hold back and we can choose to say and do the right thing. It's going to be challenging, 
But please, no matter what you do, put forth that effort. Put forth that effort and continue to show and display that peace. I thank you for your time for this particular lesson. And if I could, by way of an invitation, share the word of God with you again. We're taking a big leap to the New Testament, and we're looking for the book of 2 Thessalonians. When you reach 2 Thessalonians, again, the Apostle Paul will be our writer here. We're looking for chapter 1. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we're looking at verses 7 through verse number 9. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. It reads as follows. And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, and flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Paul says, and to you who are troubled, do something. He says, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Now, when he comes back, he's coming back with his mighty angels. Notice the format or the style in which he's coming back. He's coming back in flaming fire, taking vengeance. This does not look good. He's coming back in flaming fire, taking vengeance. He's taking vengeance out on two classes of people, those that don't know God and those that do not obey the what? Gospel. Those who don't know God and do not obey the gospel. Then he says, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his power. People are going to be punished with everlasting destruction. Jesus is coming back with flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who know not God and obey not the gospel. So what will prevent Jesus from taking vengeance out on me? Obeying the gospel. If I obey the gospel, that will prevent Jesus from taking vengeance out on me and me suffering through everlasting lasting destruction. Well, then the question is, what's the gospel? Because if the gospel will allow everything to be all right for me, what's the gospel? I need it. Whatever it is, I've got to have it because I see that it's the main ingredient that will allow this terrible thing not to happen to me. Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number one, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you and which you also have received and wherein ye stand. What's the gospel? Paul says the gospel is something that can be declared. What's the gospel? Paul says the gospel is something that can be preached. What's the gospel? Paul says the gospel is something that can be received. What's the gospel? Paul says the gospel is something that you are standing in. Paul says, I declared it, I preached it, you received it, and by the way, you are standing in it. And then the next thing Paul says, by which also ye are saved. You mean the gospel will save us? Yes from that everlasting destruction. Well, what are the facts of this gospel? That Jesus died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses one through four. This gospel, it's also known as good news, good message, and it is a good message whenever you hear that Jesus died for your sins. You and I need to believe that gospel. We need to hear the word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse number 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
faith cometh. How does faith come? Faith cometh by hearing. What do I need to hear? The word of God. When you hear the word of God, it produces faith. Here's the question. Do I really need faith? Yes. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is reward of them who diligently seek him. We must hear the word of God. We must believe the word of God, and we must repent of our sins. Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. We need to repent, because if we don't, we will perish. Repentance, having a change of mind that results in a change of action or lifestyle. Repentance, you and I will make a decision. I will stop doing that which is sinful and wrong, and I will turn away from that and come back to God. Repentance is a turning away from. And after repentance takes place, then you and I have to confess with the mouth. The Ethiopian eunuch said it this way in Acts chapter 8, in the latter part of verse number 37, that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's the confession that we must make. Does everybody have to make that confession? Yes. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 11, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That confession has got to be made. And then after that confession has been made, you and I need to be baptized. Acts chapter 22, verse number 16, and Ananias said to Saul that day, and now why tarest thou? Or now what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized, washing away thy sins and calling on the name of the Lord. Ananias told him what to do, and Ananias told him what it was for. What to do? Arise, be baptized. What is it for? Washing away thy sins. Baptism will wash your sins away. The old you will go down in that watery grave. Your sins will be washed away, and a new individual will come up. And what do you do from that day forward? Revelation chapter 2, and the latter part of verse 10, Jesus said, Be thou faithful unto death and I'll give thee a crown of life. If you don't want the Lord to come back in flaming fire, taking vengeance out upon you, then obey the gospel. Obey the gospel and live a faithful life. And one day you'll hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. If you're here today and you need the prayers of the church, or is there any way that we can help you, we want to invite you to come as you all together stand and sing the song of the